Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome back to the one and only Cavs the Podcast, featuring commentary from all of your favorite Cavs the Blog bloggers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I am your guest host filling in for the old ball coach, Nate Smith, Chris Francis. And I am joined here with CTB veteran, Eli Kim. Good to talk with you again, Eli. We have some uh, big news to cover today. Uh, So as everybody knows, Larry Nance Jr., the heart and soul of the Cavs, or at least this iteration of the Cavs, is gone to the West Coast, uh, the Pacific Northwest, to the Portland Trailblazers in exchange uh, for the uh, young vet from Chicago, Laurie Markadon of the Chicago, formerly of the Chicago Bulls. And so uh, I think it came as a shock, I would guess, uh, judging by just the Twitter sphere and um, blogosphere and everything like that. I think it kind of, uh, well, it it's weird because... <laughs> The chain of events is so crazy. Like there was a story that was published by Chris Fior of Cleveland.com that basically laid the groundwork that something was afoot with the Larry Nance trade. We had the uh, Don't Trade Larry Nance podcast with Cast the Podcast. And then we get the freaking trade. 
<laughs> so uh, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind, 48 to 72 hours in Cavs world. Uh, so uh, Eli, got to get your hot take first. Uh, what, what's the reaction? What's the hot take? What's, what's the soapbox? Give it to me. I got to be honest. I was extremely disappointed. Um, as you, if you follow us on Twitter, you know, I'm predominantly the person who tweets. There are a lot of ang- angry messages uh, posted yesterday, and uh, I, I hate the trade. I don't think it makes the Cavs a better team this year or next year. Um, I don't think the Cavs get significantly better in any aspect, and they, in fact, I think it's significantly worse, especially on the defensive end. So I, on top of that, just in, on top of just swapping the player, the Cavs gave up a draft pick. They're also paying Laurie Markinen more than more per year and for two more years than they were going to be paying Larry Nance. So mm-hmm. doesn't make financial sense. Doesn't make draft capital sense. Um, what was the pick? Um, if you do, do you recall what the yeah, pick was? It's the Denver pick in 2023. You know, I, and I get it. It's not a. It's not a glamorous pick. It's probably going to be in the fifties. Oh, okay. It was a second round. But, pick. Gotcha. But um, yeah, it was in the second round. But let's be honest. We the cat this year in this year's draft, we were just dying to have any pick in the second round because there are so many great prospects uh, that we felt could have been at least intriguing, more intriguing than some street free agents. So, you know, I a lot of people were like, "Hey, guy, you know, calm down. It's just a second round pick," and I'm like. Yeah, but you need those. You need the currency to exchange to get something better, like the KPJ trade, like uh, like the trade for Ricky Rubio. You know, those are two other second round picks that, or that's six second round picks between those two trades that you gave up. It's not easy just to get a second round pick because they know that this is a cur- it's currency in today's trade market. So. Uh, overall, pretty disappointing. I think it's the, the blow is a little softened today with Larry Nance using his own words to through Chris Fedor and uh, Cleveland.com writing his own thank you and farewell letter saying that there was collaboration to go to a contender. So it does soften the blow that Larry did want to go to a contender, but it still stinks basketball-wise. It still stinks as a fan if you like Larry Nance. If you like the Northeast Ohio roots and what he's done for the community, so uh, I'm going to be honest, it's, it hurts. It hurts, and you know, on the team bill front, it hurts too because he was potentially the he was the biggest trade piece you had, and to not get a wing with more of those quote unquote traits uh, that the Cavs <laughs> front office are allegedly looking for, according to our buddy at the Cleveland Plain Dealer, um, <laughs> it's uh, it's frustrating. So. Uh, disappointed, you know, obviously there's nothing, what are we going to do besides complain, but, uh, you know, just overall very disappointed. Yeah. I, I mean, good take, man. It's well said. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Like the, the, the thing about it for me is, uh, I start with the basketball sense. I think we're going to miss Nance's passing for one thing on the offensive end. I think he was a secondary playmaker that was necessary, that facilitated a lot of things that Laurie Markkinen just doesn't have in his game. But more importantly, and as you alluded to, was the defensive side. Uh, Laurie Markkinen is not a, he's not even a, he's, he's a bad defensive player. 
he's a, he's just a bad defensive player. Um, if you if you take a look at um, if you take a look at uh, defensive EPM, he's a negative point four. Well, whereas uh, Larry Nance Jr. was uh, plus 2.0 in the 93rd percentile of NBA players. Um, you have a 2.8% steal rate with Larry Nance Jr. ranked in the 97th percentile. You have Laurie Markkinen at 0.9% in the 15th percentile. You have Larry Nance Jr. 1.5% block rate, 52nd percentile. Laurie Markkinen 1.0% block rate in the 33rd percentile. So I think, and, and then uh, also on the offensive end, I neglected to mention, uh, you have Larry Nance giving you extra possessions via offensive rebound rate. Uh, he has a 5% rebound rate, uh, 69th percentile, Laurie Markkinen, 3% rebound rate, 44th percentile. So he was just doing a lot of little things that add up to winning and and that, that we're going to miss that I don't think Laurie Markkinen brings to the table. On the flip side, what does Mar- Laurie Markkinen bring to the table? Uh, it's his shooting. I mean, he's just a ridiculously uh, talented uh, shot maker, uh, uh, good finisher at the rim, not the best, but a good one, 63% at the rim, 47% in the mid-range, 80th percentile, uh, 40% from three, 80th percentile. So he's a shot maker. That's what he's bringing that Nance did not have is is the shot making, but I just think uh, the the way I broke it down on in the in the in the thread was um, Nance is the better overall player than Laurie Markkinen, the more impactful player uh, as it as it relates to team success and winning, and he was cheaper and and like you said he was the last trade chip he was your only trade chip uh, tradable trade chip and. Uh, so, uh, and, and you ended up getting a guy who is, um, while he's talented offensively, has been a less impactful player. Um, and he, he wasn't really that good on a team that it stinks. You know, Chicago wasn't, hasn't been that good. Uh, granted, they, you know, uh, Zach Levine kind of uh, got him flirting with the play in last year. Um, here's a guy that's just, uh, uh, fell out of favor on a bad team in Chicago. And, uh, I know Chicago fans are very happy. They've gotten rid of Lori Markinen plus recoup to pick. They're ecstatic. Um, and they're ecstatic. They're not paying Lori Markinen. So, uh, so it's just a weird thing where the, it's just hard for me to ignore how bad Laurie Markkinen is on defense. I hope to God he was sandbagging with Chicago. And um, uh, it's just hard to see in, in Kobe at his year end press conference talks about how we need vets. We need vets that are complementary to the core. We need vets that know how to win, that know how to play team basketball. I don't see how trading Larry Nance for Laurie Markkinen accomplishes that idea um unless they really believe laurie markinen's due for a huge um outbreak on the on the offensive side of the ball so i don't know man it's just uh, i'm with you it's just a it was a gut punch because larry nance means so much uh just the intangibles about the region and just his connection to the region and, and his story and wanting to be there but from a basketball sense it's hard to justify this i mean larry nance is the better player Yes, he, he he struggles to hit it from three. He struggles to hit it from deep. But 
he's just doing all these little things that add up to success, to, to team success, especially on the defensive end. And uh, so uh, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, what do you, I mean, yeah, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, just even more into the stats, you know, um, Greg Schwartz of Bleacher Report posted this, and this stat is just, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of, um, you know, this stat being the end-all, be-all, but mm-hmm. per 100 possessions is a pretty good stat just to see an overall impact. I think it, it tells the truth more than it lies, I think. Right. Um, but Larry Nance was plus 5.4 points per 100 possessions, which was 81st percentile in the NBA. Markin was minus 1.2 points for 45th in the NBA. And look, I get it. Laurie Markinen is very good at shooting threes. He shot 40% from this year. The Cavs, uh, you know, sources that elite think that that's kind of, you know, the expectation. That's what he's capable of doing going forward every year. You know, he is a 36% career three-point shooter, so it's not like we're just banking on the Cavs are just banking on one season of shooting. But it's just, oh, man, it's just frustrating because I think, yes, the Cavs desperately need shooting, but the Cavs also need defense and <laughs> <Yes>. playmaking. <laughs> and I I just the, – the phrase that really just irked me so much was, uh, you know, our buddy, Chris Fedor, uh, the mouthpiece of the Cavs front office saying, Traits, not positions. What it's does that true. even mean? I mean, it's it's true. Don't get me wrong. You want a basketball players with a lot of traits. The problem is you're trading traits away in Larry Nance for one trait. Right. With marketing. <laughs> He's not a good rebounder. He can't def- he can't defend power forwards or centers. Right. Much less the perimeter. And there's just not a good argument in my opinion, for marketing except three-point shooting and his age. And it's just it's just wild. And, you know, the other other thing that just really irks me is the Cavs sources telling Fedor, who's obviously posting us on his pod, saying that the Cavs really believe there are 96 front court minutes a night in an NBA game. That is not true anymore in today's NBA. It is actually further from the truth. There is no NBA team that is competitive playing a four and five, a traditional four and five, two seven footers, uh, 96 minutes a game. I mean, and you can just look at the finals this year. You had Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and Bobby Portis, right? Those mm-hmm. are those are the bigs, quote unquote, of the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. They played 81 minutes a game. That's that's that seems like it's pretty close to the 96 until you realize Giannis also plays a lot of small forward for that team too. Mm-hmm. So that whole argument that, oh, we have 96 minutes locked up of our starting lineup. No, you don't. You, it's just, it's just not factual. And, um, if anything, it's like you're, even if that is true, is 96 minutes of literally the two least important positions in today's modern NBA. <laughs> so I don't know why they're tooting their horn like this is some kind of masterful trade. 
if the reporting was all about how they wanted to do right by Larry and how this was, you know, they scoured everything and this was how the only thing they could find, I think it'd be easier to swallow this pill. But that's mm-hmm. not how the Cavs are doubling down or tripling down on their this move. And it's, it's frustrating. And, you know, just one other, I guess, final frustrating point about Fedor, and we'll move on to our own opinions going forward here, hopefully more so. He said something about how the front office was split on Dylan Brooks, and they thought um, trading for Dylan Brooks with only two years left on his contract versus Markinen, who has three years left on his contract, was more valuable. I mean, that's just that's just stupidity. If that's what the front office thinks, then that's unbelievably naive at best or just stupid at worst. <laughs> and I, I just can't believe that that's what they're thinking and it just makes sense that that's why they make moves like this and invest so much capital, so much contracts in into the, the big's position, which makes no sense in today's modern NBA. Wow. I didn't realize that there was a Dylan Brooks component to this <laughs> at all. I, I didn't catch that. So um, how about we uh, circle back around that to that uh, after our first break here? Uh, we got to pay some bills. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, this is Cavs the Podcast. I'm your guest host, Chris Francis, filling in for Nate Smith. And I am here with CTB veteran Eli Kim. And we are discussing, of course, the big topic for discussion, the Larry Dance, Laurie Markkinen trade. Uh, we left off, uh, we left after the first break, uh, discussing, I guess, uh, there was rumors that, uh, there was a potential Dylan Brooks deal. Uh, and, uh, that's, that struck my attention just because it was, that would represent an attempt that we've heard from Fedor being, uh, this off season reported by Fedor trying to find that elusive two way wing, um, and, uh, and, and so I just want to, let's, let's make sure that we get this straight for our listeners. Uh, what was the, what exactly was the discussion with Dylan Brooks and, and why did it, why did that, uh, why did that deal fall apart? Yeah. I mean, based on the podcast, which, you know, I, I'll admit, uh, his podcasts are Chris Fedor's podcasts are interesting because he definitely has good insight. He has good access to the team. And from my understanding, the Cavs front office was more divided on Dylan going for a Dylan Brooks trade involving Nance um, because I think they didn't like the fit as much. They thought that his contract length was the same as Larry Nance, but obviously the Cavs are very sensitive to wanting players who are locked up for longer terms. Um since LeBron left. I think that's just a natural fear. <laughs> and uh, I think they're also the other complicating factor, which is maybe this is the reason it didn't happen was that Memphis was not super interested in keeping Larry Nance. Okay. Um, they, they probably would have needed a third team, but that third team could have still been like a Portland giving uh trading Derek Jones jr. And the first round pick to Memphis, you know, um, of course, I'm not. Maybe I, you know, spoke too emphatically. I think that there was potential for a deal like that. It wasn't on the table, quote unquote, maybe. But the fact that the verbiage was that there was more division among a Dylan Brooks trade, a guy who is a wing, decent shooter, 35, 36% from three, plays defense, 
has playoff experience, lit it up 25 points per game last season in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, that just just boggles my mind about how you couldn't find someone who fits better for this team, in my opinion, if you're trading Larry Nance. So disappointing that, um, you know, a deal like that wouldn't have didn't happen. It, you know, it would have softened the blow definitely for me personally on a Nance deal, but you, you would have preferred, uh, uh, you would have preferred Brooks to Markinen. You think? Oh, easily. Easily. Yes. Okay. Yes. Not even, not even close. And I know, you know, Brooks is not a seamless fit. He does use the, he has pretty high usage. He's in the, you know, mid twenties, the last two seasons. I'll admit that, but the dude shoots well. He plays good defense. His biggest knock coming in, which is why he was a second round pick and worked his way back was he kind of has a short wingspan, which is a pretty common thing among the Memphis guys. The Memphis does a good job of finding these guys that are real good basketball players, but don't have the measurables like Dylan Brooks, like Brandon Clark, who also has, you know, tiny arms relatively to his body. <laughs> so look, I get it. Um, there is some risk. He could leave after two years, but, and uh, I think that is probably what also scared Cleveland and pursuing that deal a little harder, maybe. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you very much for filling us in there. Uh, so we're stuck with Larry, Mar- Larry Market. <laughs> uh, I, although I do have some positive takes about Laurie and, and this is what, this is, this is my take, uh, that I shared a little bit in, in the threads. Um, I do think getting Laurie Market in was indicative of a front office who believes that Evan Mobley's long-term position is at the center position. So I think that's probably the best besides Laurie's obvious shooting uh, uh, shooting traits I think that's probably the where I draw the most hope about this trade from is that they decided to go out and get a guy that basically complements everything that Mobley can't do right now which is shoot the basketball um, and uh, be a knockdown be a knockdown threat. Um, so, uh, I, I, I do think that there's a positive, there's a silver lining in this trade in terms of recognizing the long-term future of Evan Mobley is at the five. Um, Laurie Markinen appears to be a great fit for both, um, uh, both, uh, Mobley and, uh, Jared Allen, newly signed Jared Allen. Uh, who's predominantly a defense only big. I mean, he's, he's a, uh, his advanced metrics show him to be a, basically a defense first type of center who can rim run and finish a little bit, but is not going to spread the floor for you or anything. So I think they got a guy in marketing who complements what we have really well, actually. But, um, is that act, is there going to be chemistry? Is there actually going to, are they actually going to be able to complement each other's game? Is Laurie going to be satisfied um, with just being a, 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 a spread four, a stretch four, in, in a way that Love has never been satisfied uh, being, uh, at least with his tenure with the Cavs? So um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what you think about the fit with the current roster uh, are there are there moves that you expect uh, in the future that they need to make? Uh, what, what's your overall take about the fit of Laurie Markin on or Laurie Markin with the current roster? Yeah, 
Um, I think the fit is clunky at best. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I'll be honest. I'm I was somewhat intrigued by Laurie Markkinen before the NBA draft as a buy low candidate um, because I thought that he wasn't being utilized in Chicago. I thought that the Bulls were kind of sell, you know going to get rid of him in a sell low situation, and I thought that his shooting could be really impactful for a team like the Cavs looking for their long-term stretch four, you know, backup stretch five, playing stretch five minutes at times too. And Lord Markman fits that bill pretty decently mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as an offensive player for sure. Yep. What changes the dynamic of, or changes my opinion of that is the fact that they drafted Evan Mobley. And if you're <laughs> right. trying to develop Evan Mobley to be not only a, a good three-point shooter, but also a better defensive player, more versatility, rim protector. Uh, you know, Evan Mobley's not a great rebounder, so I won't even give him credit for developing to that. But they're just if you're trying to develop a guy with a similar height, you're gonna there's going to be a log jam in how you play these guys. So to me, it's um, the fit is not going to be smooth. I think. You're either gonna you're either gonna take away Mobley and Allen's minutes, you know, or you're gonna not be playing marketing a lot, and then that begs the question: Why do you trade for a guy and pay him sixty seven million dollars for four over four years? You know, so um, uh, the the other one thing that let me just get back to Irk. Um, it was also reported that a good portion of Markkinen's final year is not fully guaranteed. I don't know why that's spun as a positive. <laughs> um, if you're if you're trading for a player and you don't feel comfortable giving him four full guaranteed years, doesn't that say that you don't even think the player is that great? <laughs> so, uh, it just it just boggles my mind how they're trying to how uh, people are trying to spin like that's some kind of great move uh, in my opinion. So I think the fit's going to be clunky. I like I said, like Laurie, the actual player, I didn't think was bad. I don't think he's a bad player, but for the fit on the Cavs, it just it's just clunky. I mean, it's just so many bigs on this team, and now you're adding another player that you're paying a lot, and it just does not make a lot of sense to me. Do you, do we expect Markkinen to start this year? Do you expect Markkinen to start this year? I I don't. Um, if the Cavs are smart, they won't. But if the Cavs are smart, they also will not have traded for him. So. Um, but I, I don't see him starting unless Jared Allen or Mobley are hurt. And I don't think he should be, personally. Interesting, because I would, I, would, I would say that the only way to really justify this is if you do start him at the four and you let Mobley, and Mobley uh, come off the bench and, and not throw him to the fire immediately, which, which kind of goes to your point about development, that you are taking away development minutes for Mobley. But I think... On the flip side, if you start marketing and uh, Allen, I feel like that's a little bit more. Uh, I think that could, that has the potential of being a better fit than Mobley and Allen for one thing for sure. Um, I think that opens the paint up a little bit. I think it gives a little bit of room for Allen to operate uh, in the paint a little bit and uh, grab offensive rebounds, finish. Um, rim run. Um, so I think, uh, 
And also, I mean, frankly, 16 point whatever million is starter money. So if they if they paid him all this money just to, to bring him off the bench, uh, that that I don't understand the the allocation of resources there. Then, like, why did why did you pay him starter money if you didn't want him to start? And then, uh, I, I, the other flip side to that too is that if you bring Mobley off the bench, my hope is that he comes into the game for Allen. So that there's a little platoon there for Allen. I think Allen actually struggled last year with a with a 30 minute workload. I, I think his effectiveness tanked uh, once he received those types of heavy minutes. Granted, the schedule, you know, all the usual caveats apply um, with with the schedule being so brutal. All the five to se- five games, seven days, blah blah blah. So I get why his effectiveness, I get why his endurance may have not carried him through the season. But uh, I, I actually like Jared Allen more if it's if he's a twenty-four to twenty-eight minute guy as opposed to a thirty to thirty-two minute guy, um, because I, I think you get more energy, especially from him on the offensive and defensive boards, and I think you get a little bit more rim protection. I think he was a little more bouncy and uh, tended to. Uh, get get into the mix defensively um, uh, 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 early on when he was fresh. So, um, uh, I, uh, what, what, uh, what's your take on that? Do you? I mean, do, so you you think you think Laurie's not starting? Uh, what what kind of percentage would you say? How, what kind of percentage certainty uh, would you say he's not starting? Uh, 70. Okay. 70%. That's, that's yeah, not as high I, as I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they won't. And here, another complicating factor is look at the, look at the past. Uh, every Kobe Altman top draft pick has started, whether they deserve to or not. Right. Right. Garland True. probably didn't deserve to start. He was not himself with the injury, but they started him. Yep. Sexton, you know, definitely. Stax, if anything, Sexton definitely should not have started because they had Kyle Korver and Jordan Clarkson on that team to start the year. Right. So right. the fact that they started him probably pissed off a lot of the veterans. Oh, they even had J.R. Smith on that team, too. Yep. So, oh, yes. Yeah. He threw some soup, right? <laughs> or was yeah, that before so, that? <laughs> that was before that. But, <laughs> okay. but the but the point remains, like, they they started an eighth overall pick over Kyle Korver, Jordan Clarkson, and... You know, like he could, he shouldn't have. Right? I'll keep on going on down the line because I would agree with. You. Uh, let's let's take it all the way. Yeah, uh, Okoro, Okoro, yeah, uh, should not have started. Okoro, uh, I mean, maybe they they had to start him, but there was a lot of talk that maybe Jetty Osmond should have still been starting at the beginning of last season. Or Lamar so, Stevens, honestly, when he got when yeah. he showed something uh, against the Clippers. So, look, like every draft pick that's coming, and then so but that's the problem, though. If they were to flip the script on Mobley, who, in my opinion, has the clearest right. highest ceiling and the biggest star potential, uh, that would be really stupid. Um, I mean, for lack of a better term, it'd just be stupid. And uh, maybe the Cavs are that dumb and would do it, but I don't think I don't think they would. If 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 I had to read the tea leaves, I think that this move means Jared Allen is not going to play out his five year contract. I think that's like solidified now. 
that's a great teaser. We have to yeah. take a break. Uh, we'll be right back. And we're back, Cavs the Podcast. Uh, we left off with the great teaser. Jared Allen, what's his fit? What's his role? Does he have a future with the Cavs? So, Eli, you had mentioned uh, that you believe that um, the marketing trade was an indication of how um, how the Cavs feel long-term about Jared Allen. So wh- how do you see this playing out? Uh, why do you think... Um, why do you think there's a potential for a move there or is there a potential for a move there? Yeah, I think, I think there's potential for a move because let's be honest, Jared Allen is great at what he does. He protects the rim. He's a rim running big, but he's not a shooter. He can't shoot. Uh, maybe he develops that probably unlikely that he develops it this late in his basketball career. Um, but that being said, I think long term, if the plan happens as they want to and marketing is good, continues to shoot well from three, becomes a passable defender, then I think long term, Jared Allen would be kind of the odd man out. Um, assuming obviously that Mobley pans out to be who he, who he's supposed to be. Right. Right. So, but look, on the flip side, maybe it's not Jared Allen. Maybe, maybe Markinen disappoints so much, uh, in the <laughs> next two years that they have to try to get rid of him too. So, uh, I'm not saying that it's for sure Jared Allen that's like on a hot seat or anything, but I do think the Cavs are somewhat hedging on all their big investments in the big men, which again, I think is not very smart. And not a very good use of their assets, but I do not run the team. So, <laughs> um, if there if there's a position that you do do that for, it's the wing, <laughs> and they've done the exact opposite, where they don't even want to sign a veteran minimum guy at this point. So, um, that's that's just what I think they're thinking is they're trying to collect as many assets as they can. Marketing is an asset that they're getting for a second round pick. And Larry Nance Jr., who wanted to go to a contending situation. But it's also kind of a hedge against Jared Allen because I think if Jared Allen plays really well and there is a big offer that comes in, that's a potential trade chip still. You know, you, you leave the option to trade any of those three or, you know, including Kevin Love, four big men if the right deal comes along. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. where um, that's kind of my thinking that's how i would think about it you know if, if you inserted me as a Cavs GM today that's how i would think you know you're you're hedged at the four and five slot but um i just think it's not good team building i don't think it, i don't think it's going to make i think doing this move probably upset jared allen and evan mobley you're 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 adding a big fish to an already really full pond that you know you've already spent a lot of money and capital to bring in. So that's, uh, that's, it's not a great situation for the development of any of these, all three of these guys, to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you you bring up some great points. I, you know, I wrote in the season, I wrote in the season ending uh, player reviews that it was weird to write about Jared Allen because uh, it was known that the third pick uh, had been, uh, had been procured and, and it was likely to be Evan Mobley. So, um, 
I totally agree with you. Like kind of get, getting the third pick and getting Evan Mobley should have changed the focus of the Cavs entirely to how do we maximize the talents of Evan Mobley. I was on record as saying I believe that the Allen signing was a mistake. I think they overpaid by at least uh, double. Uh, you know, uh, the contract that I point to as a, as uh, would would have changed the signing from a bad to a good signing uh, is Robert Williams the third of the Boston Celtics, who was clearly a superior player, although had injury troubles. I believe he signed a four-year contract for $54 million, if I'm not mistaken. So basically uh, almost basically half the amount that Allen signed, and they signed a better player. And I think just there, right there kind of gives you a distinction between what winning teams do and what losing teams do, is uh, they don't overpay um, for talent. Uh, they don't overpay for not top tier talent like that. It was, uh, you know, I love Jared Allen, love the way he hustles. He's a grit, gritty player, uh, talented player, but, uh, he's a role player, you know, and, and he's, and he's in a role that's, as we've discussed and you, as you've well stated, it's, uh, it's disappearing. The, the, having two traditional bigs, having even one traditional big at this point, you know, is, you know, uh, not the exactly the goal of uh, what what the best teams are trying to do. You know, if you take a look at like, uh, especially in the playoffs. You know, you you already talked about it with um, teams going small, especially in the playoffs, and having switchy defending wings uh, that can switch at all positions, handle the ball at all positions, and create plays and shoot at all positions offensively. So. Um, one thing that does save the Allen, the one, the one thing that I'll have to admit about uh, the Allen signing is that he, and 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 also a Bulls, uh, a Bulls insider uh, had mentioned it, is that it is a tradable contract. It's a, it's the type of contract that uh, can be used as salary to make a move in the future. So, I, I will have to admit, you know. I, I do believe Allen will improve. I think he'll be a better player this year, next year, and for the duration of his contract, to what extent, I don't know. But I think that's a tradable contract. So I guess that's the silver lining there. But I just think they overpaid for him. And then now they have a log jam, as you said, bringing in marketing. So there's a log jam uh, and... uh, there's a logjam there, and I'm not sure how they resolve it other than moving potentially Allen in a future deal. It seems like that's your that's your only other trade piece that you had besides Nance, um, and uh, in because you signed him to a five year deal. I, I guess have we figured out whether uh, he's movable um, in, in uh, this season or not? Uh, I think he. Is but okay. after December fifteenth. Oh, not, okay, okay. So it has I'm to not be a after. thousand. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a thousand percent sure though. Gotcha. Okay, he's so, not. He's definitely not a supermax or designated player because he didn't right. get okay. the supermax. So the year long trade, I think that's not accurate. But I could be wrong. Okay. Um, correct. Correct us if wrong. But yes, I think even if he were eligible to get traded this year or not, I don't think a trade would happen in this season for Allen. Wow. Okay. Or marketing. 
Right. Um, I think okay. they would they would they would run it a year and try to see. So sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, it, it's a weird situation. I guess one thing. I mean, the Cavs did do right by Allen. At least they paid him. <laughs> I mean, he he secured his bag. And also, what was interesting, uh, reporting prior to the Allen signing suggested uh, it looked like it was leaks by his agent that he wasn't particularly concerned with going to a winning situation. It was really to, it was to secure the bag. So at least we did right by right to Allen by that. And uh, so I'm not sure if Allen can complain too much, you know, cause he's a, he's a very well compensated big band. Uh, he's got a top 50 contract. So, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, I guess kudos to Kobe for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess it's really hard to overpay a big man because you've only done that like all your career. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's, let's move into the other big piece in story for today. Uh, Wodge dropped his, uh, uh mini Wodge bomb, uh, this afternoon or morning or afternoon about Kevin Love, uh, where it was reported that, uh, there have been no talks about a Kevin Love buyout. Um, Chris, Chris Fedor reports that if a buyout were to happen, it would have to be initiated by Kevin Love and his agent, and they would have to give up, quote unquote, I believe the term was significant money. Um, so uh, that was interesting. Uh, I, I don't think that was – it was interesting that it was – it. It was interesting that it was news because I don't think it's news to us. I don't think any of us expect uh, – I, I never expected Love to be bought out. I think it's just uh, too long and too much uh, to um, make that a viable option. Uh, what, was your, what was your take on the – what was your take on the, uh, on the, on the so-called watch bomb there? Uh, not too surprising. Glad that Kevin Love is going to try to fight for his money. He deserves to. He earned it. He earned the contract. It was given to him. Uh, has he handled himself the best way? Not always, but um, what can you? What can? You, how do you blame a man for wanting to get paid the contract that you agreed to? You know. So, um, I I hope that there's some kind of resolution so that Kevin Love can end his Hall of Fame career with dignity. Uh, he may want to go to a contending situation, so. Uh, I would like to see that for him personally, but I understand if uh, that, you know, doesn't pan out the way that's we want it to. So uh, not too crazy of a bomb, but if you're his agent, why would you want to give back any of the money that you earn negotiating that contract as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as the probably the, I, I, I am uh, probably the last Cavs fan on Love Island. Uh, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended. Uh, I I actually think that uh, I actually think that the marketing signing, in a way, is a blessing in disguise for Love to try and uh, to try and get his crap together this season and just kind of uh, have a limited role, uh, but be able to go a hundred percent in it and uh, kind of. You know, just uh, start achieving those. Um, I'm guessing 
he's got to be close to some records uh, for the franchise um, in, a, in, I'm sure, in a variety of ways. He's probably close to a variety of statistic, you know, career achievements in the broader NBA sense of a, of a career. So, I mean, and, and the problem last year, I mean, what happened last year with Love was they tried to play him on a back-to-back after he played in an overtime game with over, you know, it was just they were trying to play him 70 minutes off a of back-to-back, and he's over, you know, he's past the age of 30. So uh, I'm hoping that there's some wisdom gained by that experience and that they realize he's not uh, he's not a 30 he's not a 30 minute a game guy anymore or 30 to 35 minute a game guy anymore. He's, he's probably needs to be in that same camp of, uh, Jared Allen where it's 24 to 28 minutes, you know, uh, keeping him below 30 minutes a game to keep his legs fresh, to keep that calf from balking. So, um, I'm hoping that there's a little bit of a, I'm hoping there's a little bit of a, uh, just a, uh, uh, a, a bit of a renaissance for love uh, with the Cavs that either gets him that that makes him a viable trade chip or or convinces the Cavs that um, uh, or convinces his agent and love that okay I've got my game back now I want to go to a contending situation I'm ready to give up that money because I see uh, you know a one or two year deal with a contender on the horizon so. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful that this, uh, and also, you know, what a, what a humiliating situation with the team USA thing for love, um, really, really was a screwed up situation. And also I, I think it showed that, uh, Kevin love has not played winning basketball in years. He hasn't played winning basketball here going on his fourth season now. So, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that there's kind of a reset for Kevin Love and he's just going to hit the ground running this season. He won't have to punish his body too much because Markadin, Mobley, Allen are all here. So he could just, you know, focus on going all out when he's on the court and just uh, making the most of it while he can, possibly auditioning for other teams. So, you know, that's kind of uh, that's that's kind of my hope. And hopefully uh, or, or he wants to stay and he wants to break some records and he wants to lead to some winning. You know, wouldn't that be great? You know, <laughs> is to see some winning and see Kevin Love at the head of that. So uh, that would be cool. And I know I'm freaking dreaming. Uh, so with that, <laughs> <laughs> with that, we'll take uh, we'll take another break here, pay some bills and we'll be right back with you guys with more Cavs the podcast. And we're back, Cavs the Podcast. We left off with uh, my little rant about Love Island. We go, we take it to Eli here. Uh, Eli, for you, uh, the got two questions for you. Do you foresee Love completing this season with the Cavs? And if so, uh, if so, what do you think his role is uh, for this edition of the Cavs? Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting with Kevin Love. I think his role will be extremely limited. I don't think he's going to play that much. He's going to earn a lot of DMPs, especially on back-to-backs. And it's just going to be, it's not going to get pretty. It's not going to get prettier with the season coming around for Kevin Love. Um, Like you, I think if Nance was traded for a wing, I think there was a path 
to see Kevin Love, you know, be a focal point of the second unit with Ricky Rubio. Mm-hmm. But obviously mm-hmm. that path has been eviscerated with the trade for Laurie Markkinen. So I, on paper or, you know, just every argument I see, I just don't think there's a way to get Kevin Love consistent minutes um, this upcoming season, unless there's an injury or uh, trade or unusual, unforeseeable circumstance at this given point in time. Gotcha. So, so I'm, I'm hearing you say, like, there's no question that he's going to be starting. You think it's an emphatic no. Um, and you think, I mean, like, basically what I'm hearing is you, you're thinking he's going to be lucky to get 15 minutes? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. I don't think there's any way he gets 15 minutes a game on the Cavs team unless there's an injury. Wow. <laughs> which is, which I think is the right move. Uh, as much as it pains me to say that, because I, I love Kevin Love, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I think if if you are trying to maximize the assets and the cost that you've already paid to get these assets, right? I think it's the smart basketball decision to make. Like I said, if you could go back in time, you don't trade Larry Nance for another power forward slash center which gives you a little bit more opening of Kevin Love to be a contributor every day. But after that trade, it's just, there's just no, no way that they can uh, create consistent minutes in my opinion, which leads me to, I think your next question, do I yeah. think the Cavs are going to trade Kevin Love? I think they're going to try their hardest. I think they're going <laughs> to see if there's like a wing on a bad contract, they'd be okay taking back. The only person I can think of off the top of my head right now is Harrison Barnes. But I think the Kings would want uh, Colin Sexton or a first-round pick for that swap. Yeah. Do you do that? Uh, it's pretty tough to stomach. Um, yeah, I mean. Another question yeah. that gets brought up with that is, who do you move into the bench? Uh I guess if you trade Sexton, it's a little cleaner because you move Acora to the two, Barnes to the three. Yep. And, you know, your team is definitely fits a lot better. But is that is that a price worth paying? Uh, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure the Kings even want Colin Sexton because they have like they have like three guards that are under six one as well so, or six two as well. So, <laughs> um, you know, they got to play Davion Mitchell. Right. Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox now. Obviously, Halliburton's tar on the 6-3, but yeah, yeah. the point remains that those three guys are probably all best at point guard, and you're only going to be able to play two of them at, at most, I think, right? So, yep. They they uh, moved uh, they moved Buddy Heald, right? No, they still have Heald right now. Oh, they still have Heald. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> they still have Heald, and they did move DeLone right. Uh, which would have made that point guard position really full if they didn't do that. So. Right, right. So, and they re- they uh, did they resign Rashawn Holmes? I'm I'm guessing they did. They did. They okay, did yeah. resign Rashawn. Had a good contract too. Yeah. Mm, it was okay. I think yeah. they they um it used to be the running joke used to be oh you can just pay Rashawn. Like, why pay for center? You you, you just have Rashawn Holmes. But now the joke is, oh, shoot, like he's getting paid, you know, 55 over four, which is, you know, yeah. 12, 13, or 13, 13 plus a year. So, yeah, um, yeah so it's interesting, right? Like, there's not a really clean fit for a trade. And yeah, it was because I was thinking Allen. Think, so, yeah, I mean, maybe you trade 
Jared Allen eventually to help clean that up, but then you got to still somehow trade or buy out love. And ultimately, I think given the Cavs track record, I think this ends up in a buyout. I used to be really optimistic about maybe a trade. Some team thinks that there's something left, but now with almost no path of showing his uh, what's left of the tank, in addition to um, his you know dreadful performance going for the Olympic team, getting thrown under the bus by Colangelo, I think this thing's going to end in a buyout, and he's we're not going to hear very much from Kevin Love, from the Cavs, going for it. Man, that is, man, that's sad. That is so sad. Like, the man the man authored one of the best plays in Cavs history, and this is how it ends. It, that is sad. Uh, do you think the buyout happens uh, in season prior to the season? Like, do you, do you think that they're itching to make this happen uh, sooner than later? I would think that they would hope so, but based on the reporting today, it'd be kind of weird if they immediately started reaching for a buyout. I'm thinking realistically closer to the to the uh, trade deadline, not because there's a trade, but because you have to waive buyout players, you know, around that time so they are eligible to join playoff teams. Right, so, right. Um, that is my prediction of when that will happen. Um, well, and and I'm guessing he'll been he'll have been paid the majority of his thirty million for the season at that point. Correct. So he, you know, you can go to him and be like, "Hey, look, we owe you like thirty seven million dollars. Can you give us something back for next year? You know, right? Help us on the cap a little bit here, Kevin. You're going to get a minimum deal that pays him probably like two million, two million plus because he's been in the league for so long. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um. You know, that's typically in a buyout, you do, you immediately give that up because you're about to make that, right? But, mm-hmm. but, um, it would just be very, very interesting to, uh, to see how it all shakes out, I guess. Man. Well, do we, to, to move on, I guess, to future things and hopefully more pleasant things, uh, free agency, what's left of it? Uh, do you, Eli foresee any other moves happening uh, or was this the move you think that the, was this the move that we've all been waiting for? <laughs> I I hope not. I think there had, there has to be another move to round out the roster with a wing. If the mm-hmm. Cavs are truly running back with a Coro, excuse me, Coro and Osman as the two wings, that'd be, wow. That'd just be unbelievable. Um, you add more bigs, but you don't get another wing. So I'm hold. I think the Cavs are going to end up signing Denzel Valentine. I think that will be their lone free agent uh, remaining. We're Chicago team. East. <laughs> yeah, Chicago East. Um, so <laughs> I think that's. I think that if I had a predictive free agent, that'd be the one that yeah I would pick. It'd either be Denzel Valentine or. Garrison Matthews, um, mm-hmm. one of those two. Uh, Shvi McCallyuk. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, he uh, signed a deal with Toronto today for oh, two, he did. two years for two years actually with the Raptors. Wow, uh, with a player option. So obviously the Cavs did not get him either, even though he's a pretty good shooter. So yeah, 
I, I think ultimately they're going to get a kind of a bottom of the barrel rehabilitation project um, wing and put there. Obviously, I think they're trying to swing for a trade still, but with two new avail. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I, in honestly, it's, if they're signing a bottom of the barrel guy, I mean, they're competing basically with Lamar Stevens for the end of the bench. Um, I, I don't see anybody better that, you know, I, I actually think they, I basically, I think what the Cavs have done is they put all their chips on Dylan Wimbler this year. Uh, I think that they're expecting him to be the backup, the, the de facto backup wing, uh, behind Decoro and they're expecting him to play. Um, and they're expecting him to be healthy. They're expecting him all with the injury problems to be behind him. And I think they're just going to do it. They're going to just give him minutes, uh, until it just either collapses or they make a move. So I think that's, it seems to be their plan, which is obviously iffy, you know, he's never been healthy. Um, the, he has shown flashes, but, uh, you know, they were far and few in between compared to how long he's been on the roster. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a weird situation. Uh, it's man. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, well, and it was funny. It reminds me, uh, reminds me of a conversation you, me and Nate had on a previous podcast where, I mean, I think, I think we're tanking again. Right. I mean, we kind of called it then it, there's, I just don't see, I don't see a play-in team. Do you? I mean, what do you? I mean, that's your feeling, correct? There's no way this team's a play-in team. The only way that I would say the Cavs become a play-in team is if they somehow trade for Ben Simmons, and wow. that doesn't seem like it's happening. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, look, I think that I gotta be honest. I think the Cavs did make a run at for Simmons. They probably. Before the trade, they probably offered Simmons or Nance in some package of picks, maybe even Sexton, um, you know, whatever salary fillers. They probably had to give love because I don't think they have any other salaries right now that fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, probably also gave another additional sec- first round pick for that. They probably gave all that and gave it to Philly and said, hey, this is the best we're ever going to do take it or leave it, and Philly probably said no, and that's probably why they went forward with trading Nance to the Trailblazers instead of, you know, a contending team like Philly. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, But that being said, I think without, unless the Cavs are somehow trading for a guy like Ben Simmons, who is very divisive right now, um, I, I think the Cavs are, it'd be optimistic, I would say, to put them as a play in contender. Um, but realistically for me, I think they're a bottom, bottom three team again in the East. Yeah. 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 That's, it's hard to see them climbing out of that bottom three seller, uh, unless there's just some kind of, uh, I mean, it's all in the kids hands, right? I mean, if, if Mobley's, uh, if Mobley is a generational talent or near generational talent, you know, then he's, uh, and, and then we see massive leaps from Sexton and Garland, you know, I think maybe then maybe, you know, but I mean, it would have to just be, um, 
it, it would just have to be quantum leaps in, uh, in, in winning impact, especially from Sexland, in order to even sniff uh, playing contention or even to even sniff significant games at the post All Star break next year. So, um, you know, uh, you know, how are the draft? How, I do. I'm already. I'm already calling my shot. Adrian Griffin. Duke University, we're we're doing it. We're getting that wing now. We we are getting that <laughs> wing. Top five, baby. Let's go. Amani Amani Bates is not eligible next year, unfortunately. Oh, are you serious? Oh, wait, I thought yeah. he did. I thought he went. Um, he reclassified, but I also learned this the hard way. He reclassified, but he still is not eligible for the draft because he doesn't turn nineteen until his second year of uh, college. So how does that work? Like, what is he going to do? So he's going to play he re- basketball for two years. He's going to play college basketball for two years. Yeah, he's not draft eligible this year. Wow, where is he going? Did did he did he already declare his? Yep. Um, he declared he's going to go to Memphis, I believe. Oh yeah, with Penny Hardaway. Yeah, and they just signed somebody too, if I recall. They they signed a pretty uh, big name coach or big name pass yeah, player, uh, didn't they? Yeah, they have. Uh, there's another really good player committed to Memphis. Um, let me pull up his name here real quick. Jalen Duran. Okay. Who was likely a top five pick this draft. Wow. So, wow. You know. Okay. So we got two years, we got two years worth of wings to wait on. So it sounds like <laughs> that, that fit the timeline. So I guess that's the plan, huh? <laughs> well, I thought we were going for Chet Holmgren. I thought our, the goal was to start a bunch of seven footers. There we go. There we go. I'm, I'm loving it. For this. To make up for the two small guys in sex land, you got to have you got to average out to an NBA lineup. So there we go. Yes, you yes. Get those seven footers. Yes, I think then the collective average would be right on the dot. It's like six eight. You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. All right, folks. I think we're going to take our last break. Uh, stay with us for our pitches. Be right back. And we're back, Cavs the podcast with your traditional. Uh, pitches and stories. So I will start off real quick with my pitch. Uh, I am uh, enjoying talking with Eli this evening, sipping on one of my favorite tequilas. Uh, it goes by the name of Tres Generaciones. No, I do not speak Spanish. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but uh, I, it's a fantastic tequila. Uh, I drink the Plata and it's a organic tequila, if you could believe that. Uh, so, um, if you are a tequila person out there, um, and you enjoy your margaritas or your daiquiris, is, wait, do daiquiris have tequila in them? I don't even I'm know. Not sh- I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, your margaritas, your margar- or if you just want to drink it straight. I I love it straight, straight shot, no chaser, uh, and drink it warm uh, is the other tip I got for you uh, tequila heads out there. Uh, yeah, pick yourself up some Trace Generaciones Plata uh, tequila. It goes down smooth. Uh, it's excellent and a very, uh, very enjoyable way to drink your Larry Nance Junior Sorrows. So, uh, yeah, you can make daiquiris, some daiquiris with tequila, but it's typically a rum drink. Oh, rum. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. No worries. (laughs) For myself, (laughs) um, I'm not consuming alcoholic beverage, but I think I should be 
because I'm in all in the fields with this Larry Nance stuff. Oh, no. I but know. Speaking of people who are in the fields, my pitch is I'm bringing, going to discuss the Korean Cavs group that we mentioned a couple pods ago. That's right. This group continues to just amaze me with their knowledge, their dedication to the team, their willingness to talk everything out. They're having similar conversations that Chris and I are having right now. But they're doing this uh, just like in real time. And I, I got to be honest, I was at work uh, when the, obviously when the Nance trade broke around lunchtime on Friday, you know, I'm at work and I'm like, oh my gosh, like just eating lunch. My phone, phone just starts blowing up <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap, something happened to the calves. Cause when I, when my phone goes <laughs> this much, it's that calves chat. So I open up my phone I have over like 142, 146 messages I can at this time. And it's, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see the Cavs trading for Laurie Markkinen? Oh my gosh. And they're dissecting it. They're talking about how Laurie Markkinen can't play defense. He's not a wing. He sucked in Chicago so much. He was benched. You know, like they played. It's true. They even traded Wendell Carter to open a path for him and he still sucked. You know, it's true. It's All these true. things. <laughs> they traded like, Daniel Gafford too, who who yeah. broke out in uh, in Washington. So yeah, yeah. So it's just like it's just interesting that 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 all that all is just blowing up my phone. And then I think the real kicker is, you know, I'm you know responding, adding my input, my thoughts to this chat, and this chat is uh, just so disappointed. They really like Larry Nance, and. You know, we're just talking. And then I look at the clock and it's like three in the afternoon here, which is like not that crazy, right? Three hours of talking about a trade. I think if you're, if, if you're finding our podcast, you might be a fanatic that's also doing that, thinking about it. <laughs> but here's a kicker three o'clock in the afternoon here is like four in the morning. <laughs> so these guys are literally, I hate, and I'm going to say a bad word, but I'm going to say they're wasting their weekend, the weekend <laughs> night on Friday night to talk about the Cavs making a poor trade for uh, Laurie Markin. So just wanted to give, you know, the Korean guys a shout out, um, talking about Markin and talking about um, the Nance trade and just a friendly reminder if there are, we do have any other Korean, uh, Listeners, this pod is actually majority Korean. That's uh, right, seventy-five percent Korean here. So that's right. Uh, if you're not Korean, obviously you're still welcome. Uh, <laughs> we're all American here. So um, that's right. But I just wanted to give a shout out to my Korean buddies that are still depressed, still upset, and disappointed by this move. Um, but just a while that I, I somehow lucked into finding like the most rabid Korean. Uh, Cavs fans in the world. It's hard to find uh, Koreans that do things half-assed sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's that's pretty true. So, oh shoot, that is awesome. That is so good. That, oh man. So, you know, we 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 should all be passionate about things in life. You know, and people should feel sorry for us if it's the Cavs. I'm just joking. That was a joke. Sorry. Sorry. I've been drinking a little bit. So, uh, well, I think that wraps it up for us. I think, um, 
you know, we'll be sad. We, we'll miss you, Larry Nance Jr. Everything you did for the community of Northeast Ohio will not be forgotten. The millions you've raised during the pandemic for businesses, the way you represent yourself on and off the court, um, y- your game speaks for itself. You're a team player, always been about the team, always been about team success. Um, and, uh, you, you've always, uh, just carried yourself with the utmost, uh, uh, utmost character off the court, you know, um, making your dad proud and everything and making everybody proud in the region, um, that, that you're associated with it. And, uh, you know, wish you all the success in Portland, love the Blazers. So, uh, it's not going to be too hard to root for Nance and the Blazers, you know, they got CJ McCollum too. So. A um, couple of NEO boys uh, doing it up in the the beautiful Pacific Northwest. So, um, a parting comment from you, Eli, about uh, our, uh, our losing our our, uh, our our the heart and soul of the Cavs, uh, Larry Nance. Yeah, I'm, I'm bummed. Uh, I, I guess if there is a silver lining, a little bit of happiness is that Larry Nance did want to leave. It was a collaboration to leave. Um, Right. Enjoy a contending situation. So uh, if there is anything yeah, I do find solacism is that is that Larry Nance wanted this move. Um, right. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy on that end. I am also happy in this regard. He gets to hang out with CJ McCollum. They get to talk Brown's football. They get to talk <laughs> about the dog pound. Um, so I'm, I'm super pumped for that. And, uh, you know, I, I will be rooting for the Trailblazers uh, this year for sure. Um, Hell yeah. You know, two of my, you know, non favorite non-Cavs players over there. So that's what's up. That's uh, it's tough, but, you know, it's part of life. You're not, you don't get everything you want and you just got to make the best of the situation. So wish, wish Larry Nance nothing but the best as he plays for the Blazers. Absolutely. Amen to that. And we're going to sign off by saying, Go Blazers, go Cavs. <laughs> go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.